Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Could You Voice. Today, we're talking with Lauren Muehlman, who shares the incredible story of her effervescent grandmother who survived three Nazi concentration camps and whose story is now being shown at the Jewish Film Festival in the documentary I Am Here. You're listening to Coogee Voice. They built a false wall and hid in a bookshelf in the Warsaw Ghetto and they were eventually given up. So after about just over two years, they were in the Warsaw Ghetto and uh, they'd, they'd spend the days hidden behind this bookshelf and then at night they'd come out to stretch their legs. And he said to her, do you think it'll hurt? And she said, don't think it'll hurt, it'll be over soon, we'll be, we'll be with the rest of our family. And, and they, heard, they saw the prayers on the wall, you know, hear Israel, Lord our God, Lord is one. And then they hear this banging again. And the Germans said, everyone, get out. And it was actually German orderliness that saved them because the order was to gas 700 Jews that day and they'd already met their quota. Lauren, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today? I am really good. I, I rode over here in the, in the rainy conditions, but it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. That is a high-risk activity with all the weather that is now inflicting itself upon Sydney and New South Wales, so kudos to you. It's almost biblical. <laughs> <laughs> now, Lauren, before we get into talking about your grandmother and her story and her film that's part of the Jewish Film Festival, tell us a little bit about your connection to the eastern suburbs. Sure. Well, I so I've been in the East for roughly the last 16 years and you know, I just moved as a university student and have stayed ever since I was dragged kicking and screaming out of Bondi by my husband who decided that if he was going to be in Sydney then it had to be Clovelly. It was the closest thing he could find to Perth. So, we've been there for the last 12 years and uh I just love living here. It's just such a fantastic place to raise a family, uh, have a have a really Australian type life of going to the beach and having barbecues and spending time with friends. And you've got this fantastic um, ride into the city. And it's I feel really lucky to be part of this community. And um, uh, one of one of the great things I've actually uh, one of the things I'm most proud of is um, being among the founding directors of Bayside Women's Shelter, which is a, a, a refuge which provides uh, accommodation for women and children leaving violence. And so I feel like I, I try where I can to make a positive impact in the area and, and um, kind of make sure that everyone around me is, uh, is doing okay. What do you love most about the Eastern Suburbs? Look, I have to say, you know, because of where we are, there is nothing like on a hot day, especially after a run, diving into the water at Clovelly, that that concrete section. It's just magical and uh, swimming out to find the groper. If there was one thing you could change, what would that be? Probably I have to say I wish it was a bit easier to get a parking when I'm running late and I need a coffee. (laughs) My advice always to anyone who's coming to the eastern suburbs is whatever length of time it takes you to get here, 
double that for a park. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we're here today to really talk about your grandmother and there's been a film that's showing as part of the Jewish Film Festival, I Am Here. Before we talk about the film, tell us a little bit about your grandmother and her story. Look, firstly, I just want to say what an honour it is to come onto the program and and talk about my grandmother. Uh, So this is my father's mother and she was, she's 100, so she is just an amazing, wonderful, effervescent woman, the, the absolute family matriarch. So she was born in Warsaw in Poland and really uh, she, was a, she was a young teenager growing up, having this wonderful life with all her brothers and sisters. So 1939 comes, the, the Germans invade Poland, all the Jews are rounded up into the Warsaw Ghetto and that's a process over some months and uh, their property is slowly taken over by, by the local Polish people who sort of take advantage of the situation. And uh, so her and her family, slowly they're starting to shrink as as people are taken and herded onto these cars going to um going to all the camps to the labor camps to work so her and uh the some of the family members who uh, had managed to stay safe and had they had particular uh, papers to to work in shops and things like that they built a false wall and hid in a bookshelf in the Warsaw ghetto and they were eventually given up. So after about they it was it was sort of um just over two years they were in the Warsaw ghetto and uh every they'd they'd spend the days hidden behind this bookshelf and then at night they'd come out to stretch their legs and try and find some food and eventually they they heard a they had a they heard a banging and and that you didn't rouse you know, Jews get out of here and and they'd been given up and they were loaded onto these cars to go to the camps. And by that point there were, you know, 23 members of her, it was 22 at the time, immediate family had gone, they'd been taken. And it was just her and her father and her niece, Roma, who's actually written an amazing book, which I'll tell you about. Uh, but her father was taken on a different uh, transport and, and she didn't see him again. And her and her niece uh, were able to stick together and they went and their first uh, place they arrived was in 1943. They went to Majdanek and um, Majdanek is where a lot of Jews were put in the gas chambers and there's actually an amazing story from that situation is they were they were part of a group and they they were taken they were marched into the gas chambers and they were all screaming and crying and praying and her niece was next to her and she held her hand and she said her niece said to her do you think it'll hurt and she said don't think it'll hurt it'll be over soon we'll be we'll be with the rest of our family and and they heard they saw the prayers on the wall you know here Israel lord our god lord is one and then they hear this banging again and the Germans said, everyone, get out. And it was actually German orderliness that saved them because the order was to gas 700 Jews that day and they'd already met their quota. So at that time, so that, that's what saved them because they, they follow orders and the order was for 700 and they were, they were outside that number. So, so – after Majdanek, that it's now 1944, and they were taken. They were taken into Auschwitz, and 
already by that point she was a sort of older, more senior prisoner because she'd been there for a while and she was offered to be, there's a particular name like a, a commando, Yudin controller, which are the Jews who kind of um, manage the other Jews and, 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 and make sure that the German orders are followed. And that would have entitled her to particular privileges because, uh, you know, you are, you're closer to the Germans and so you get a better sleeping quarters and you're entitled to some uh, better conditions that the other prisoners aren't given and she and she turned that down she said there was no way that she would she would inflict that on her on her fellow Jews so she and her niece Roma were were there together and uh, she was she was able to work in the kitchen and again the kitchen allowed helped her to survive because she could then smuggle some extra food and make sure that her and her niece had enough to eat and uh, smuggle some food out and give to other prisoners uh, potatoes and things which gave her other gave her just that bit of extra opportunity for survival and so she she was one of the lucky ones who who left Auschwitz alive and in and then from Auschwitz in '45, she went to Bergen-Belsen, which was where she was eventually liberated. And um, you know, so that so that's so this is now 1945. And um, another interesting story I'll share is that the liberators who came to the camps, they could see all these emaciated figures, you know, all these starving Jews and, and, and other prisoners who hadn't eaten and were these skeletal forms and they were throwing over their food rations. And my grandmother, who was, you know, was a, was a young, she was still a teenager at the time, virtually, she said, she said to her niece, don't eat it. Our stomachs can't handle it. Somehow she just knew that the, the rations would not be a good thing for their stomachs that hadn't eaten all these years. And people actually died when they were given those rations because it was just too much fat and things that the bodies couldn't handle. And sometimes somehow she just had the sense to know that they shouldn't eat, uh, that they shouldn't go ahead and, and sort of gorge themselves on those rations. So what happened then was she tried to go back to Warsaw and, you know, the, the the Polish people had just moved into their houses, wouldn't let them in. She couldn't find any living family members. They'd all been murdered. And Roma, her niece's father, had managed to get to Palestine before the war. So she went and uh, she went to meet him there. And my grandmother stayed in Paris and worked and uh, sort of tried to, you know, just uh, build a life for herself. And eventually she was able, she was given falsified documents. So Roma's father in Palestine said that he was actually her daughter. So she was able to get in to what was then Palestine on a fake name. And she then went to what is modern day Israel and met my late grandfather there, who was their visiting family. And they had a 10 day courtship and they were married there. And then she began a life in South Africa and had four children. And Roma, her niece, uh, met someone and um, they, she also had four children and they, they lived in America and uh, it's actually very uh, – the the timing of the podcast is poignant because she, Roma, actually died 
uh, about 10 days ago now. So so that's obviously left a big hole in the family because they're the last remaining family members. I'm sorry to hear that. What a remarkable story, though. How did the movie come about then? So the movie was it was it was a really interesting process because uh my and I'm sorry you haven't had the opportunity to meet mm-hmm. my grandmother because she's just such an effervescent character so she she's got this real hunger to tell her story and she's just incredibly vivacious so there was one friday night shabbat dinner where she happened to be there where a young filmmaker was sitting down and and she just after dinner they were all sitting around talking and she started telling her story and this young filmmaker by the name of Geordie Sank was just completely captivated and uh, had this idea to put it into a movie and so he worked with her and he worked with my aunt who she now lives with and and looks after her and um they they sort of managed to tell her story alongside what's happening now with um, hate and Holocaust denial and, you know, all these terrible things that are happening. It's actually a really important uh, testament because it's it shows her strength, but also it also shows that importance of of keeping the Holocaust legacy and 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 turning it into something positive and uplifting. There's often a saying, never again. What does that mean to you in the context of the movie, in the context of your grandmother, in the context of being a granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor? Look, never again is just, it's such a powerful saying. And, you know, it's interesting at the Holocaust Center in Cape Town, you walk into that section about the Holocaust, and the first thing you actually see is they've got an exhibition or just they've got a few pictures and and a timeline about apartheid. And the director of that center said, you know, you have to contextualize these horrible things. You have to say, what's this about at its core? And it's about hatred and it's about intolerance. And you know, Samantha Power wrote a really interesting book called A Problem from Hell, and that was this whole exploration of people after the Holocaust where six million Jews were murdered, uh, people saying never again, and then proceeding to watch as Rwanda happened, Bosnia happened, all these atrocities. And, you know, you saw recently um, Whoopi Goldberg's completely inappropriate comments about, uh, you know, saying uh, the Holocaust wasn't about race. The whole thesis of the Nazi party was about Aryan exceptionalism and the Jews being inferior and therefore having to be exterminated as a race. So the key thing to always remember is that we can't ever rest on our laurels and say that was a terrible thing that happened during the Second World War where a third of the Jewish population were just wiped out. And we have to really think that eternal vigilance is the only answer, is to to call out racism when we see it, to to call out poor behaviour, to, to treat, to sort of uh, see the humanity in everyone regardless of what you know their lottery of birth 
So what does it mean for you to have I Am Here showing at the Jewish Film Festival in the Ritz in Ramwick? It is just an absolute honour and a privilege. You know, I, I see that, you know, I really carry that mantle of being uh, the granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor so close to my heart and it, it, I really do see it as an honour. So to have her story uh, captured in my local area at my most magnificent local cinema is just such a privilege and I extended an invitation to to yourself and to everyone in our school community and, and everyone I've come into contact with, Jewish, not Jewish, work colleagues, you know, because I think it's a human story and there's not many Holocaust survivors left. You know, our wonderful Eddie JQ, who I had the privilege of meeting once at at, at the great synagogue on Yom Kippur, and you know, he just reminded me of my grandmother in that in that energy and that courage and that vivaciousness and wanting to share life and in, and celebrate life. So I think that's what this movie does. And you know, the use of animation, we we actually. Um, weren't sure how it would play out, but I think because so we, you know, the last of the we've 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 got the last of the Holocaust survivors still with us today. Whatever we can do to draw in a younger audience and and be part of it, and just you, the film is really interesting because it opens with uh, this young lady in Johannesburg making a really inappropriate comment about Jews and just how my grandmother responds to it with love and and not with hatred and and how important that is so the movie will be just an incredible capture of that period of history and her story and this remarkable way to celebrate her life and who she's become and and all her family around her and if i can just uh, if i'm not talking too long <laughs> i've got one other just incredible story that I wanted to share is that she actually lost in the end 23 members of her immediate family. And uh, some years ago, we went to the game reserve in in South Africa for to celebrate her 90th birthday. And around the the Shabbat dinner uh, in Johannesburg at my uncle's house, there were, there were 23 of us who'd come from all around the world to to celebrate that occasion with her. So so you know, I think it kind of it's the essence of what this is all about is looking after each other, family, and celebrating life. Absolutely. You've spoken about the importance of human stories and you touched on earlier Roma and her book. Can you share a bit of that with us? Yeah, look, absolutely. And Roma was just such an important figure in my grandmother's life. You know, they they even though she was my grandmother's niece, they were some sort of similar age and stage and didn't leave each other's sight. And they were always together and both of them, Roma says in her book, I never would have survived without Hella there. So Hella is my grandmother Ella's Polish name. So it was Roma and Hella and they've now sort of anglicized and became uh, Rachel and and Ella. And they, you know, they, they sort of became second parents to each other's children and they sort of chat in Polish and they, you know, they they went on a trip together the one time and they said they loved staying together. They said it was like being back in the camps, you know, they had this sort of real bond with each other. And since since we we 
lost her um since we lost Roma they her four children and they all their children you know Hella's just you know she's she's got that extra responsibility or as a as a mother to them and that book here there is no why that Roma so eloquently wrote and she wrote it in her English name, which is Rachel Roth. Uh, so I highly recommend anyone pick up a copy because it just captures what it would be like to be a, as a teenager who ice skates and has and has fun with her friends and loves school and loves books. And, you know, there's all these scenes where, you know, she t- t- to sort of take her mind of all the horrors that are happening around her, she goes to the library to borrow a whole lot of books. And the librarian who she's known her whole life comes up and snatches the books and said, we can't lend to Jews anymore. And it's just those slow steps of dehumanization so so that book comes from when she she went up to and she said why why are you doing this in the camps and and he said here there is no why so that's the name of the book and unfortunately I don't have the the direct uh, quote with me I wish I did but on the first page she says to a woman who who was killed in the in the gas chambers. She said, "I'm sorry it's taken me so long to write this. Uh, I promised I would write it to you and tell you, tell the world about this hell we were in, and and uh, tell the world what we went through." So here it is. Here's the book, and you know now that uh, the wounds have healed and the tears have dried up, I can actually talk. And so that was her outlet was writing the book, and for my grandmother. It was the um, it was actually that that you know she she sort of her life would be divided into three parts you know she had that that growing up in Poland and then that awful Holocaust experience and then bringing up kids and having a shop in South African building a life and then after that when her kids were raised and the wounds were healed she could start telling that story and both her and Roma said that you know they'd wake in the night and. They'd be screamed. They'd have these dreams that the the Germans were taking the Nazis were taking their kids, and they'd would sort of be woken up by their own screams. And and so just for both for them both to have had this opportunity to tell the story and tell the world what happened is is just it's just an amazing thing. And I feel really privileged to be having this conversation with you now. Thank you so much for sharing both the story of Ella and Roma. Before we let you go. There are three questions we ask all of our guests that come onto Could You Voice. You must declare the best beach in the eastern suburbs, where you can get the best coffee, and where sells the best burgers. Oh, wow. Okay, fantastic questions. <laughs> okay, look, I'm a Cloverlight, if you can say that, so I'll always put Clovelly first, no matter what. And coffee, uh, as as you know, I live and breathe coffee. It's it's liquid gold, and so I have to say, Pilgrims on a t- Wednesday uh, is my favourite time to get. Somehow, the coffee on a Wednesday just blows my mind, and getting it in the middle of Centennial Park after a run at the Spruce Goose is also, if you're willing to wait and get behind the the Lycra Brigade, it's well worth it. And um, burgers. Look, again, if you're willing to wait, the burgers at Out of the Blue on Clovelly Road, uh, you've got to have that fish burger and it'll it'll just sit there, commit to waiting. It's always good. It's always fresh and it's a great thing to have on a summer day. 
Thank you, Lauren. If people would like to see I Am Here, where can they see it at the Jewish Film Festival? What dates? So uh, there's a few dates on offer. I am seeing it on the 27th of March at 6.30pm. So if you're around, come and see it, come and say hello. And uh, there's a few other sessions for those who can't make it. If you jump on the Jewish International Film Festival website, uh, they'll have those options. And it's showing Randwick Ritz and also uh, Elstonwick in Melbourne. And I believe it's the Astor Theatre in, in Perth. So it's on in a few cities. Watch it. And by all means, get in touch with me on social media and tell me what you think. Lauren, thanks for joining us on Coogee Voice. Thanks for having me. What an incredibly moving story. Now, if you'd like to see I Am Here, the story of Ella Blumenhall, head to the Ritz and see the showing times. And while you're there, check out any other movies that are showing as part of the Jewish Film Festival. You've been listening to Coogee Voice. 